Isn't the Lord good to us today? I want you to stand. Will you do that with me for one more time? Everybody stand. Sherry's getting a little bit on the sleepy side this morning, so I'm really going to ask her to stand with us today. And, and uh, there's a song that I've been thinking about as uh, the praise and worship team was leading us in praise and worship today. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, Kevin, could you put that on the overhead for us? And it's a scripture that, uh, that helps us every day in the journey of life. And I don't know about you, but as we journey through life, life has so many challenges. And we all need encouragement. And we can always find the best encouragement in the world by turning to God's word. And so I want you to join with me this morning, and uh, I want you not to just sing with your lips, but you allow this to come from your heart. And if you're here this morning and you're facing a challenge in life, maybe there's something going on in your life that you really wish that wasn't happening. Maybe you don't know how everything's going to turn out. Well, here's what I want as your pastor. I want you to turn out real good, no matter what you're facing this morning. And this word will carry you through the storms of life. And it goes like this, and I want you to join me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mountains have to move right out of my way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mountains have to move when people pray. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mountains have to move right out of my way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mountains have to move when people pray. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mountains have to move out of my way. I can do all Things through Christ who strengthens me, mountains have to move when people pray. One more time. All things through Christ who strengthens me, mountains have to move right out of my way. I can do all things through Christ who me. Mountains have to move when people pray. Mountains have to move, mountains have to move when people pray. Hallelujah. There's another new song I want us to do while you're st standing this morning. And uh, we'll go through it one time and then we'll do it the second time because you'll have it down and it goes like this. Well, some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I fly away. I fly away. Oh, glory. I fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I fly away. I 
fly away, oh Gloria, fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me I once was lost but now I'm found twas blind but now I see one more and oh how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. Well, put your hands together. You did a great job. Isn't God good? Thank you, Jesus. And you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody take a deep breath. You feel better? Oh, that wasn't too good. Everybody feel worse. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, I'd like to say along with Jared, God bless you today. We have those that are visiting. And uh, with them we have some home folks. We have uh, part of our congregation down on Canton Lake. And let's pray that uh, if the boat does start today, it'll sput and sputter until after church is over and then it'll run all right, okay? I believe we should come to God's house and have fun. I'd like to say it's especially good to have our funeral director and his lovely wife with us this morning, Mr. and Ms. Luke Ferries. Luke is a great friend of ours, and uh, he, he takes great care of people that are going through a time of bereavement in their, in their life, and uh, we're, we're just glad to have them as part of our community. And we're glad for you this morning. We all make contributions to life in one way or the other. We are all called into different directions. We all do different things. But aren't you glad we can come together on, the, on Sunday morning and just join our hearts together and worship the Lord and praise the Lord? And, and I, I, I just want to ask you a question before we look at the message this morning. I've already run this by Jared, and, and he was a little hesitant to say yes, but he did give me a, a go-ahead on it. If we marked one Sunday a month, we just did praise and worship with old songs. How many would get up and leave? How many would enjoy that if we'd, uh, oh, I knew there'd be at least three old-timers that'd get those hands in the air, those lightning rods, they look good when you get them in the air. Well, uh, we're going to do that. I'm not going to tell you yet what Sunday, but I'm going to give you a Sunday's notice so you can tell all your 
friends that uh, know the old songs. We're gonna, we're gonna, on that Sunday, we're just gonna really pull out the stop and do the, do the old songs. Am I not on? Uh, <laughs> 40 years ago, Herb, I would have said yes, but since I have an artificial knee, uh, there's sometimes that I crater before the hour's over. <laughs> but uh, no, you don't have to stand up. You know, whatever is comfortable. I just got, sev- several years ago, there, I had three brothers younger than me. I had a sister five years older than me, but the four of us boys stood around the, the uh, piano because we were forced to, because my dad wore a size 36 belt, and it was plastic. And when you wore short pants in the summer, he could leave stripes on your legs if you didn't do what he said to do. And he'd line us around the piano, and for about an hour, we'd stand, and we'd practice, and we'd practice, and we'd practice. And, and it was during those practice seasons that I, I, I talked to the Lord one day, and I said, Lord, if, if, I, if we had it to do over, could you make me the baby instead of the eldest? My youngest brother could get by with murder. He'd tell my dad, I'm not standing no hour. I don't like to stand and sing. My dad pulled out his billfold and handed him a dollar bill right in front of the three of us that were looking on. That boy would sing like a canary. I got real envious because I was the oldest and not the youngest. So if you're the baby of the family today, maybe you can tell the same story. But uh, anyhow, uh, you... When you come to the Lord's house, we want you to just enjoy yourself, okay? If you can clap your hands and sit, that's just fine. If you want to stand, if you want to get out in the aisle and just dance a jig, that's okay. We're not going to call you down. We used to see it nearly every time we came to church, but, you know, we've kind of got away from some of the emotionalism, which is all right. My, my relationship with the Lord isn't built on emotionalism, but, boy, there was times when people got happy, and it was a joyful time, and heaven would come down in those services. And today, heaven still comes down. Isn't that great? Yes, it is. And God is so good. We're going to be looking at a message today and then next Sunday uh, on uh, dealing with guilt and shame. When I was growing up as a child, and and one of the four of us boys did something wrong, my mother could melt us in in our tracks by saying, shame on you. And, and I processed that growing up, and those words, and, and my mother could say it like nobody else. My dad was a minister. He was gone somewhere five, six nights a week preaching at other churches and conducting revivals. And mom had four, four boys she was pouring her heart into while dad was out doing the ministry. But uh, we've all gone through challenges of shame and guilt. And so I want to, we're going to, look to see where this all came from how, how do you, you know when when the story starts it, it's also always good to know where it came from and we're turning this morning to Genesis chapter 3 for just a few moments and we're going to wind this up and uh and uh, I'm going to see if I can do what Jared did last Sunday uh, he went to the Christian church that, that one of the board members had called and said Orville would you or Jared be willing to fill our pulpit at nine o'clock we're giving Dennis the Sunday off he's recovering from uh, uh, eight, eight or nine days in the hospital and I said one of us will be there in fact I'll just send Jared your people need to know who Jared Cloud is and so when he gets there he asks, asks the people said well 
how, how much time do I have? When, when is uh, preaching time supposed to come to a close? They said, 10 o'clock. We go to our Sunday school class. And, and uh, so 10 o'clock, uh, you, you need to have your message over. So uh, they had some, some things going on, and they honored Dennis and Wanda with a pastoral gift of going to the Holy Land, and, and Dennis wanted to respond to that. And long story short, it was 10 till 10 when they turned the service to Jared. Can you just feel your body wadding up? <laughs> ten minutes. And he, he did, at five after ten, that boy was through. He was met at the bottom of the stairs with congratulations. <laughs> we need more of those short sermons. <laughs> we went to the fundraiser Sunday night, and there was four ladies that I know real well from Dennis's church, and they were all lined up across the, and at one side of the table and then a great friend of mine Bernie Sanders was on the other side and I dealt down over the shoulder of two of these ladies and I said ladies am I in trouble for sending our associate to minister to at the Christian church uh, today and Linda Sue I've known her for nearly all of my life she, her and Sherry were best of friends in school she whirls around in her chair she said I'm going to tell you how it is we're going to run you and Dennis off and we're going to use him both churches to be our pastor." I looked across the table, and I said, Bernie, would you pray for these four ladies? He said, there ain't enough time to pray for those four. <laughs> now you know why I stay in trouble a lot of the time. Let's look to the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to talk to you for something that we all deal with. We've all made mistakes. We've all been places, and things have came our way that, that we wish would never have came our way. And I think, I think the greatest moment of shame in my life was the day when I was so wrapped up in business, things were just going 90 mile an hour, and my dad was suffering physically in a, in a bad way. My wife, was to the, to the day she leaves this earth, she'll always be honored in my heart because she took care of my mom and dad like she took care of her own mom and dad. She was there for them. She, she stayed behind. She made sure that they had what they needed. And, and the call came from my dad's house, and my wife was passing the news on, You're, tell Orville his dad has committed suicide. I'll never forget the day of shame. I, I, I buried my head in my hands, and I said, Daddy, why did you do this? And for days, that's all I could think about. Even driving down the highway, I was just... I was just so broken. Daddy, you, you've been a preacher. People are in the ministry because of you and the testimony you had. And then we brought you to our community, and we've taken care of you. And all of this process was going on, and all the time, shame was just literally eating me up from the inside out. Hurt and shame and guilt. Daddy, what in the world were you thinking about? So we all go through areas of our life, and and dramatic times when guilt and shame just literally eats us up. Even as Christians, I'd like to tell you following Jesus is just a bed of roses. You'll never have any thorns on the rose uh, bushes. I'd just like to tell you everything is just real hunky-dory following Jesus. But I need to tell you something this morning as your pastor. There will be days in your life that you'll hang your head with, with guilt. 
you'll, there'll be days when you'll hang your head with shame. And you'll, there'll be days you, would, you will literally ask yourself some questions that you will only ask when you're dealing with guilt and shame. Let's find out where that came from and where it all originated in the Bible. And turning to the third chapter of Genesis this morning, I begin with reading verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall eat, not eat every, of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the, tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, tree, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam said to his wife, and, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And I want you to look at three words that we're going to use this morning as we, we find the set, setting for our message today. As God enters the presence of Adam and Eve, the first question he said was, where are you? God knew where Adam and Eve was. He's an all-knowing God. He knew when he told Adam and Eve not to touch the tree of good and evil. He knew what would happen, and yet he gave them direction. But he was not physically there to force them not to do it. He said, where are you? And this was the response. I heard your voice in the garden. And verse 2, the voice of God is in black and white. Adam responded, I was afraid. Why would Adam be afraid of the voice of God? Because God had created him and he had put him in a heavenly place called the Garden of Eden. And Adam answers that question. I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked. And God asked him another question. How do you know? Who told you you were naked? As we unravel the scriptures this morning, I want it for you to think with me for a few moments. And this message may not be for you. It may be somebody that you're going to come in contact with in the hours ahead. And many of you have faced people and you work with people that never come to church. They don't have a church home. They don't know what uh, the family of God's all about. So I want you to listen to the message as well as those that may be here today. And something is your pastor. Something's going on in your life this morning. And, and inside, there's a guilt trip that you're taking. There's shame that's trying to eat you up alive from your innermost being. And I want to talk to you about what shame can do. 
to anybody that's overtaken with it. Shame can cause you or move you to a paranoid season in your life. And when you're paranoid, you feel like everyone knows about the mistake you made, but they really don't. The reason that I know that not everybody knows about your past or what you've done is because you're like me. You're not that important that everybody would know. But listen to me, shame is like a rope that ties to your past. And we have to untie that rope that ties us to our past, and we have to turn loose of the past and wave goodbye to the past. The Apostle Paul said this, this as he penned it very carefully, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't understand everything there is about life, but this one thing I do, I'm untying the rope of my past, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And the enemy likes to cause people to become paranoid. He likes for people to run and hide. He likes for shame to be a part of their life. And he likes to cancel their testimony. And the first thing he will do with shame and guilt, he'll steal your joy. And as a Christian, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Some of the most miserable people that I've ever met are, are people that started following Jesus and they hooked their toe, they fell, they made a mistake, and instead of getting up, brushing their, their, their spiritual clothes off and saying, Father, I have failed. Instead, guilt and shame begins to tighten the noose around their neck. And one day they're never to be found circulating in a community or in a church that needs them that there and there are those gathered and they're asking the question where and what has happened time and time again I I get this question when people leave the church pastor what's happened the person who used to really laugh and make a he just really added something to the service they're not there anymore what has happened today God wants you to know Paul said, this one thing I'm going to do, I'm loosening the noose of guilt and shame. And this man had been guilty of murder. He had nailed doors of the church shut. He had been a real bad boy. But when Jesus came into his life, when he made an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, things happened. The old life passed away. The joy of the Lord became his, heart, his life, and he began to find joy in the presence of the Lord. Listen, friend, there's, there's freedom in God's presence. But the enemy likes to talk to you, maybe when you're not ready, when you're not on guard. Just like as God left the presence of Adam and Eve, he'd give them strict instruction, enjoy it all, just don't eat from that tree. And you know the rest of the story, I've already shared it with you. Dealing with shame. How do we cultivate an attitude of gratitude? How do we get real, rid of the, of the skeleton called shame and guilt as a believer? Listen, shame will extinguish all hope that you have. It's like, a, it's like a fire extinguisher that's got a lot of power. That fire extinguisher will hit you in the face every time you turn around because the enemy wants you to keep thinking about shame and guilt. And the more he talks to you, the greater that guilt becomes. Shame will not only extinguish your hope, 
Christians that are hopeless are some of the most miserable people in all the world. Listen, the, my Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you're a believer today, I want you to make a decision this morning. I'm tying, tying the rope off of my life. My past is history. I'm not going there again. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. I'm going to give it the best shot I have, and I'm going to allow the joy of the Lord to mount up in my life. Isaiah 40, 31 is a good way to unleash the rope of guilt from your life. The Bible says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they will walk in that thing. Two caterpillars were fighting their way through a very thick lawn one day. And they were just doing, it was costing those caterpillars all the strength that they had just to move through this grass that they were traveling through. A beautiful butterfly flew over them. And as the butterfly flew over them, they flew between the, the ray of the sun and the grass where the caterpillars were, were working their way through. One caterpillar looked at the other and he said, I wouldn't fly that, li- that way if my life depended upon it. Listen to me today. God wants you to, he wants you to know that his strength strength will cause you to mount up with wings as eagles. You can run and not be weary. The day that we live today is an awesome day. It's not without trials. It's not without tests. But listen to me. Shame is a weight and a burden that will always steal your joy. And it'll always ignite a fire in your imagination. Do you know the Bible gives the believer the authority to cast down imaginations? Every high thing that exalts yourself, itself against the plan of God. And God has plans for every individual that's in this building this morning. God has given you the ability to cast down imaginations. Every high thing. And you know, I, I, I just want us to work through this today. I just feel like maybe I'll be maybe talking to one or two here today. But if the guilt and the shame of the past is eating you up, why don't you make a quality decision? Enough is enough. I've had it. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of my life. You say, well, Pastor, how can you talk like that? Because the enemy, the serpent, that's the reason I hate snakes. There's only one good snake, and it's a dead snake. I've heard some friends say, don't kill that snake. It's a bull snake. Kill him anyhow. Snakes know not to cross the white's pathway. There is no... I can prove to it. The old serpent is the one that began to talk to Adam and Eve. Why would I want to tolerate a snake in my yard? Well, pastor, it eats bugs. <laughs> I washed my head last night, and I didn't find one bug in it. They may eat parasites. They may do a lot of good stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. They scare me, and they know I'm going to give them all the room. That's the reason I'm counting on you killing the snakes, Okay. Shame is a weight and a burden that steals your joy. Remember this, Jesus is your burden barrier. He wants to carry the load of guilt and shame for you. You say, Pastor, how can you prove that? I'm glad you asked. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting the whole of your care. Casting, casting. Is there anything in this breakable? Casting, casting the whole of your care. And some people, hey, I'm preaching. You'll be the boss when we get home. If I'm in trouble, I'm coming over to your house. Listen, so many people, when they get turned on to Jesus, they say, well, I'm so glad that I can just cast my care on Jesus. I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't bother him. Listen to me. When Jesus says, cast a hold of your care upon him, I'm going to tell you, I want to get rid of it. I don't want it in my life anymore. I don't want to be reminded of it anymore. Jesus says, throw it. What's cast mean? Get rid of it. Send it as far as you can. Can I send it as far as I can? I better not. I heard the, there's a prophet that lives in our house. That prophet's name is Sherry White. Moving on. Remember, 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 remember Jesus as your burden bearer. Can I tell you, I could preach from now on. I can tell you from now on what the Bible says. I want to I turn to Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. I, I can tell you from now on, you can go to church every time the door is open. But let me say this this morning. I don't care how many doors you open in church. If you don't believe this, I don't care how many times you've heard it. It's not going to do you one ounce of good. You've got to believe this. And you, I'm telling you, you've got you've to stay with it till you can, your spirit can say, I got it. I got it. Until you get it, you don't got it. And I'm telling you, it may take two or three times to get it. But, but this is like taking vitamins so that your body will be healthy. It's like working out so you can build muscles. It's like eating good food, Mexican food, banana ice cream, everything except gravy. I'm telling you, God's word will do for you what nothing else will do. In Romans chapter 9 and verse 33. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Are you a believer this morning? Then why don't you make a decision to cast everything of your past to the Lord? Let me tell you about Jesus. He never digs into your dirty clothes hamper. He takes those dirty linens and he takes them to the sea of forgetfulness and he puts a weight on them and so that they'll sink to the bottom and he never goes deep sea fishing again. He don't allow any divers to even recover what he has buried for you and for me. Shame, dealing with shame. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, why didn't Adam go and say to God, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Instead, he tried to hide with fig leaves. I won't tell you what I'm thinking. I'm going to move on. I'm just thinking about the fig leaf clothes. God is a God of restoration. God is a God that wants to help us. Life is challenging. You're going to see things. We're seeing things today we never thought would ever happen. Things are going on today that we didn't think would ever happen. But I need to tell you, the same question that God asked Adam, I've asked God more times than one. God, where are you? And you can go to the page of God's Word and find out where he's at. He's present. He's a present help in time of need. He's there with you. He's there for you. He wants to carry the load for you. And he wants you to enjoy the life that's set before you. But you've got to keep your eyes on him. He's the author, the finisher of our faith. He's one that's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. And he don't want you stoop-shouldered, weighted down with the burden of life. He says, I want to carry all of your burdens so you can enjoy the ride. And listen, serving Jesus can be fun. 
Serving Jesus is a joy. And a relationship with Jesus means more than anything else in the world. But as we continue the journey of life, I can tell you one thing. The enemy's going to watch you and do everything that he can to hook you with the hook of shame. Or he's going to say, shame on you. If some Christian you are, he's going to do everything that he can. And all he's doing is trying to talk you out of your relationship with Jesus. I've got good news for you. Jesus wants you to know today that he dealt with your, your, he dealt with your shame and your guilt at Calvary, and he nailed it to a tree so we could go free. Anything you've done in the past that you're not proud of, it's nailed to the tree. Don't go to the cross and yank that off and say, I've got to study this. No, it's been nailed. Leave it alone. Just leave it at the cross. And every time the enemy tries to remind you of something that you're ashamed about, something that you, you feel guilty about, just say, I'm not going there. Jesus took care of my guilt and shame. I'm free, and I'm free to live for Jesus, and I don't have to bother with what happened yesterday. I'm free. The freedom that comes with, with following Jesus is a great walk and a great ability to live life to its fullest. Jesus says the thief comes. What does the thief come? A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to get your goods. He didn't work for it. You've worked for it. But he wants to steal from you. And you know, he's, he has been so successful in stealing things from Christian people that i just like to expose him today. He's a no good, no good, nobody. He's a thief. Did you ever have anything taken away from you that you'd worked hard for? Very nice. And somebody just decided that belonged to them, and they took it. We've all had things come up missing, haven't we? Yeah. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, it talks about the thief. It's not, the thief isn't in bold letters. It's not in capital, it's not in capital letters. But Jesus says a thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he loves to kill Christians with their past, with their guilt. He likes to tell them there's no hope for them. Jesus doesn't care that much about you. Look who you are. You came from nowhere. We all came from nowhere. We all came from a handful of dirt. And God breathed into that handful of dirt, and man became a living soul. We're not, without Jesus, we're nothing. I watched Luke as he put a, 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 a vessel full of ashes to the, into the ground yesterday. And I, then the scripture comes from dust we came, and from dust we return. But listen to me, there's a spirit that lives on. There's a spirit that lives on. That, that spirit that contacts the throne of grace lives on and on and on and on. And it's so good to know as we live on and on and on that Jesus wants us to live on and on. And he's got some good things. Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I want to stop there and say, if you want to make the enemy mad, if you want to see that old snake sliver out of your garden, start quoting the scripture to him. If you want to see the old enemy get on the run, just through the day, just say, Lord, I just praise you and I thank you. You're such an awesome God. He hates, he hates people. He hates people that live in victory. He hates people that sing. He don't like Christian people that whistles. 
Sometimes I whistle not because I'm a good whistler. I just like to whistle because I know I'm annoying somebody. Not you, not you. I did work on a job one day. My friend hired me. He knew me well. And one of the men on the cruise came to me a couple of days later and said, are you that guy that your friend hired? And I said, I don't know. What did he say about me? He said, get ready. He whistles all the time. Whoa, I thought, what a compliment. What a compliment. In our journey today, in our journey today, let me ask you this morning, is there anything that the enemy is using to hinder you? Is there anything that, that's in your past that's keeping you from being free? Is there anything that just keeps you down and out? You, you don't, you've lost your joy. The hope of what you one day had longed for has gone out the window, and you just don't really see any hope in store. You, the things that you used to dream about are no longer dreams. Listen to me. I want to talk to you about a dream. Keep dreaming instead of allowing shame to choke out your dream. The enemy loves to choke people that are good people with guilt and shame. Listen to me. God used nobodies to do somebody and some things in the Bible. He used nobodies to put things together, and they became somebody because they just learned to lean on Jesus. And I close the message today by saying this. If you're within the sound of my voice this morning and there's anything in your past that's dealing you some trouble, why don't you just make a decision today? My past is gone. It's history. There's nothing we can do about history. It's already recorded in the history books. But I'm telling you, the Lord knows how to burn those bad history books. He knows how to destroy the things in our past that bring him no glory. And here's what he says to all of us this morning. No matter where you're at, what you've done, or what you're dealing with, he said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's nothing that brings more relaxation to a body than a body that's tired. When you get so tired and, then, and you've been places and you've done things, you've seen things accomplished, the best thing you can see at the close of the day is your own bed. Because it represents a place of rest. In the arms of Jesus this morning, as he reaches to all of us today, here's what his word says. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And all he's waiting on is your submission. Lord, I trust you today. Lord, I trust you. I trust in you, Lord. I, from this day forward, I'm going to trust you with everything that I've ever been, everything I hope to be. From this day forward, Lord, my past is covered by the blood of Jesus. My future's looking great because you're the way maker. You're the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You're the one who causes fountains to spring up in the wilderness. You're the one in the wilderness that makes a way where there is no road. Listen to me today. Jesus loves you, and he is here today to deal with your past. It's so simple. Father, forgive me of my past. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness from this day forward. Lord, let me take your hand. And you said, where you, I, I will say to you, where you lead me, I will follow. Lord, we just give praise and honor and glory to you today.
in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Heads are bowed this morning as Jared comes to uh, bring us to the altar. In fact, I want you just to stand with your heads bowed before we move forward for communion today. But let me ask you this question. Are, are there those here this morning, your past has just really been eating you alive, but today, his heads are bowed, nobody's looking around other than myself. You just say by an uplifted hand, Pastor, my past is, is a shameful past, but I'm, like, I, I'm so glad to know that God is there to help me, to, to, to carry the load for me. And from this day forward, I'm going to leave here knowing that my past has been taken care of. My sins have been canceled, and, and today, Jesus is my best friend. Thank you, Pastor, for reminding me. Can I see your hand while we wait just a moment? Across this building, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you today. As we have some music this morning, I'm going to ask everybody that would like to be a part of communion. We have open communion. Today, if you're a believer, you want to come and join us, please come forward, and our ushers will begin to, or they'll be preparing to pass the trays, but would you just move from where you're at this morning out of the pew and come forward and stand in, in front, as, and it will make it easier for our ushers to wait upon you today. And if you do not stay for for communion god bless you this morning it's been so good to have you and you feel at liberty to be dismissed